when I uh, when I was at school, my um, my English teacher, when I was a little bit older than my son Noah, um, Mr. Williams, uh, was an older man at the time. He's no longer alive now. Um, but uh, he'd been in Africa during the Second World War uh, with the army. And he said they caught a chameleon. And uh, as part of their uniform, they had tartan. So they did the classic thing to discover what actually happens if you put the chameleon on a piece of tartan. And he said, it was just a bit blotchy. It, didn't, it, it certainly didn't become tartan. Um, but, uh, it, it, and it didn't explode either, which is the other thing that is sometimes said. But it, it, it did make it a bit confused. Jesus and the followers are far from chameleons. They're not people that try to blend into the background, that try and camouflage themselves. They are people who are easily recognized. And of course, today, the followers should be easily recognized. They will know we are Christians by our love. The Gospel of Mark concerns the coming of the good news of Jesus the Christ. And it's a short, snappy read. You know, I've I've probably told you this before, but the whole book, the whole book of Mark can be read in an hour and a half. You know, if you sit down, you know, Some of us read novels. Some of us, you know, maybe have a big newspaper or something that we spend, you know, a long period reading through. You read and you sit yourself down with a book and let it be the book of Mark. You can read it in an hour and a half. And I would suggest that you might want to have a go at that sometime if you've not done it before because even if you've got one of these Bible-in-a-year type things, you only usually get about a couple of chapters at a time or something. To read an entire gospel, you get a much bigger picture. You don't get it breaking up over the days, but you get it flowing through. And uh, you get the, the order that it's given there by the writer without any gaps, without any pause. Whereas sometimes in church we take a bit here and a bit there and you, you lose a little bit. But Mark being so quick, so urgent of a story that he wants to pass on because this is the good news and it's exciting and he wants to impart it, sometimes it just seems too quick. Forty days in the wilderness, and the evil's one's temptations barely get two verses. You know, it's there, and it's gone. 
and you're on to the next thing. And it might be a wise question almost to, to ask, you know, if he's only got to give it a couple of verses, why didn't he just cut it completely? You know, why didn't he just go straight on to the next thing? But he needs that in there. He needs that in there partly because it happens. Though, of course, he's cut the nativity at the very start. But it needs to be in there so that we see that Jesus is truly without sin. He does get tempted. But he is able to resist that and able to move forward. It gives encouragement to our own faith in challenging times. That he has gone ahead of us. That he has been there and he knows what it's like. But yet, Mark moves the story on. The time of trial coming straight after the baptism gives a warning for the believer. A warning that we have to heed. Just because we come to faith, just because we understand something of who God is, it doesn't mean that we're going to have it free and easy. We're still going to face many challenges. In fact, at times, it means you've got to have a harder life. And that's what comes out in the next few verses. The wilderness adventure in Mark is a gap that allows a time for proceedings to move forward. And as time moves forward, John the Baptist is arrested. And he's taken at a time when Jesus is obviously not with him. He's taken at a time when the authorities are against him are against the word, are against the coming of the kingdom. The coming of the kingdom is a threat. It poses a challenge to those that are already there, those that already have authority. Six months ago here, uh, we had the testimony of uh, Helen Berhane, and how she was in Africa detained in a shipping crate, a prisoner of the state because of her faith. Likewise, those of us that were at Spring Harvest this year might have heard of the plight of North Korean Christians and the testimony given there. When the kingdom is coming, it poses a threat to those that are against it. 
to those that like their power, who like their place, who like their name to be heard. The coming of the kingdom poses a challenge to those that would like to profit for their own good. The coming of the kingdom is a challenge. And so John's message, John the Baptist's message to repent, to change life, to live a new way, was a challenge to those in power. How much greater challenge is it as the one that John the Baptist was preparing the way for actually begins to preach? So far, Jesus has been relatively hidden from the population and the authorities, but it changes. The fishermen by the shore of Lake Galilee will be aware of what happens to preachers, what happened to John, what happens to people who challenge the authorities. But they hear the call, the call of the kingdom, the call to change, the call to be God's people. And here in Mark, without the miracle catch that we might see in other Gospels, Simon, Andrew, James, and John are willing to risk everything. They just leave their nets. They leave their father in the boat. They leave the hired men. They leave it behind to go and learn about what it truly means to be God's people. What it is to be the Lord's disciples. In this country, we don't face such challenge when we say we're going to respond to the call. We can meet here with the doors open and the sound can carry out into the street and perhaps someday across the road in the pub where the doors are also open might hear something of the gospel. And there's a freedom for us to do that. But as we truthfully challenge what is of the Lord and what is not of the Lord, risk comes. Despite this danger, Jesus and the disciples effectively enter the lion's den. It's not a remote spot they go to. They don't go out into the wilderness together to start preaching. They're not by the banks of the Jordan. They go to Capernaum, a busy, thriving village. 
They go to the synagogue within that village, the place of worship. They go there on the Sabbath when everyone else will be going there too. And Jesus teaches. He speaks of the kingdom. He speaks of the need to repent. And he speaks in a way that's quite different from what they've heard before. He teaches them as one with authority. And it tells us that that's not how the teachers of the law usually spoke. The teachers of the law didn't normally speak with authority, although, of course, they should have. But they were people that liked the status quo. They liked things as it was. It suited their purpose to maintain the present understandings and to have the people in power who were in power, even though that involved the Romans that had come and taken over the land. And as well as teaching, Jesus did mighty work. An evil spirit is cast out. The followers are not being hidden here. Dramatic things are happening that everyone would see. And the fact that it's Capernaum, just down the road, the synagogue just down the road from Simon's mother-in-law's house, shows that they would have been known in that community. They're not strangers from another place. They are people that would be recognized. Jesus, the son of the carpenter. Simon and Andrew, fishermen. James and John, they're the sons of Zebedee, aren't they? The finger would be pointed. They would be known. But yet that has to happen. How camouflaged are we? How known are we for saying that the kingdom has come? That the kingdom is near? Are we simply part of the wider society? Are we able to blend into the background? Does nobody actually notice us being their neighbor, being on their street, living in the house that we do? Do they notice us here 
as a church. It's a big building. You would imagine that they would notice the building, but do they notice the church that meets within the church building? Are we like the chameleon blended into the background? Are we salt and yeast and light in the places that we live and work? We need to be contributing to the kingdom of God, coming near to people who need to be touched by God's love. The ministry of Jesus starts in this Galilean village, but it goes on. They walk from place to place, to Tyre and Sidon, quite a different community. They visit the other side of the lake, Again, where it's not the Jewish people of Galilee, but others that keep pigs and animals that you wouldn't normally touch. They encounter Jew and Gentile, villager and city dweller, the powerful rich and the outcast also have an encounter or two or three or four, or five, or perhaps too many to count. Jesus is for all. But he had to be seen by all. So don't be the green chameleon that's blended into the background. Don't be the dark color that's there. But to borrow the idea that's been had this week from those that have been building the kingdom in this place, become a bit more high-vis. Be seen for who you are. And as you do that, share more of the good news of Jesus, our Savior. For that is our place, to be his people in the world, sharing his love today. Amen.